0: Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love. And discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hey, how are you? Happy Friday. We are back with more podcast, and Paul is out, which means at long last, it's been forever. Chance is here. I'm back, guys. It's been a while, hasn't it? It, it has been a long time. Thanks for being with me, man. We're glad that, that Paul can get a little bit of a break. That's the thing that Paul and I have been fighting for, because we did TV season right yeah. into cheap sports cars. Yeah. So then we all kind of went. We, all of us, all four of us kind of went, can we not do something for a minute? <laughs> so we're kind of recovering. So thanks for for filling in for Paul. Uh, yeah, also, of speaking of cheap sports car challenges and stuff on YouTube, I've noticed a weird trend. First What's off, that? thank you guys, all of you listening. Thank you for, for watching that eight car piece. It is already, and I asked for it and it's happening, on a trajectory to be our fastest piece to a million views. And that's phenomenal. What confuses me is that was part one. Yeah. There's a whole Part 2 that's actually, I think, I mean, granted, I'm in it and I've worked on it. I think it's better. It is, yeah. And Part 2 has got a fraction of the views of Part 1. Now, I, I realize you see the big eight cars and then it's less cars, and I, there's, a, there's a million reasons why. Well,
1: we, we shot Part 2 more as a TV-style shoot, where we had yeah. drive-bys in the full shebang. Yeah, it's got, got a lot more. The first one is more test-drive style, mm-hmm. where it's both you and the car and just follow footage and that kind of stuff.
0: Huge shots in Part 2, the five-car piece and and those of you that have watched the scene who have enjoyed it, but if you have only seen part one, allow me to encourage you to watch part two because we actually come to conclusions in part two, right? As is the nature of a two part piece. So yeah, that'd be great if you, if you'd watch, that'd be really cool. But thank you guys for all the support. Speaking of support, I have to mention, of course, our uh, TV sponsors who are awesome. We have Haggerty and Grios, who has a code right now for lots of discounts with e-driver Covercraft, who still has their ongoing code and free shipping with everyday 21 is the code right there right now. And of course our friends at auto tempest who were key to the cheap sports cars and the whole cheap sports car challenge. And they are awesome. Autotempest.com slash every day is the way for them to know that we sent you. We would love for you to check in there. And I'm going to say it again. I, I looked it up before we got all those cars gathered for the cheap sports car piece. I made sure they were all uh-huh. available for less than eight grand.
1: Yeah, And they are. I've looked too.
0: Then I looked the morning we started shooting. I just, I was, I was up early. <laughs> I was just, you know, all of the reality of the shoot was going. On. I was like, I'm going to check one last time. So everything was on was available for less than eight grand when we shot that piece. I know a few people have written and been like, this isn't possible. It depends on where you look.
1: I've also noticed a lot of those comments have been international comments, too.
0: There's some of that So some of it's
1: probably true. And here's the flip side.
0: If you're listening in England, you're watching going, why are these so expensive over there? Yeah. (laughs) All of you in England, the cars plummet so fast, you're like, I thought it even cost half that. Here, what's going on? So it is all relative. Uh, We've got a lot of things to talk about. But before we get into two really cool car debates, I wanted to... Turn back to you, Chance, because of the cheap sports car piece. Because Paul and I have talked about it a lot. Yeah. I'm still talking yeah, about yeah. it. I'm still on a little bit of a high from even doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are. But I'm curious thoughts you had from that piece. And also, you have a story that only you can tell about That's that true. piece.
1: That's true. So I'll start with, uh, you know, my surprise was also the MR2. Mm. That that car it actually belonged to a coworker of mine. And he's had it for a few years, bought it out of California. And I'm, mm. I've always just been like, it's a tiny, cute little car. It's not yeah. really... yeah. I don't get it. And then you drive it. It's like, this is actually pretty cool. Yeah. It's tiny. And just, I have a picture of it in my garage next to my brother's Corolla and the okay. Corolla looks enormous. Sure, And the MR2 looks like a little power wheels sitting in my garage. It's, mm-hmm. it's just a really funny picture. You drive that thing and you're, I think you're absolutely right. It's like your Lotus scaled down like 75%. Mm-hmm. Less mm-hmm. power weighs similar. Yeah. It's it just yeah. the way it drives. It's so, so pure.
0: It actually has more space in it than the Lotus, but that's a whole separate <laughs> conversation. Yeah,
1: um, but yeah, that that was my big surprise, and okay. and the owner of the car, he's just loving every second of, of oh, cool. how, how we've used it. And that's funny because I actually haven't heard and, from him yet. That's good. I'm yeah, glad. So he's he's like that. Pretty. We talked about it actually earlier today. Oh, that's good. And uh, yeah, he's he's just all excited and giddy and just real thrilled that we used his car and sharing it with everybody. And I'm really glad. That's fun.
0: That's very cool. Well, speaking of surprises, we actually threw one at Chance. The week of the shoot, you guys have to understand that we were chasing about 10 cars for this shoot, knowing, and I'm including the two that Paul and I own, yeah. knowing we were going to shoot about eight. So cars are falling on and off the list and that kind of stuff. And we, we always had kind of like the outliers where it was like, oh, that one's handled, but these two are lingering. We don't know. Yeah. There was always that. We were roughly a week away from the shoot and we had a great friend of the show who had actually said to us, he was, he was actually shopping for a cheap sports car. He wanted one. Yeah. He wasn't sure which one to get. And he'd kind of come to Paul. He's actually a good friend of Paul's come to Paul and just kind of said, will you help me? And Paul said, well, we're kind of doing this shoot right now. So maybe we can coincide. that's what's mm-hmm. happening. He essentially, for lack of a better way to put it, he gave us as the show a budget that right. was under eight grand. Cause that's what we were shopping for. And right. just said, find me a cool one. And he listed the ones that were most interesting to him, but we kind of we kind of decided, all right, what we're going to probably end up with here is whatever we're having trouble finding, we'll have him buy. Yeah. So we were landing on, the one that was having trouble finding was, was a BMW Z3. Right. So you guys have to understand that we started shooting um, about a week before what I'm about to tell you happened. Actually, that's not even it's true. Not even, it's less than it that even. It was like three days, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. anyway. um, So uh, on a Sunday... I was looking on Auto Tempest and found a BMW Z3 in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. And I, found, I dug down through Auto Tempest, then I got down into Craigslist, and I wound up in Las Vegas, like you do. And I found this Z3, and it was a barely beat on, but I was like, the price is amazing, $4,800. Yeah. Right. It's been online like an hour and a half. I mean, it just for whatever yeah. reason, I just found it. Yeah. And so I reached out to Paul, and I said, what do you think? A few hours later, there was a deposit in on the car, but Paul and I were quite busy in pre-pro and actually in finishing up a TV episode. And so this is where Paul called Chance.
1: Yeah. So I get a call and Paul's like, hey, can you fly down to Vegas in the morning and go pick up a car? All right. We can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it told me the things to look out for. I went and test drove the car beforehand before mm-hmm. we actually traded the rest of the money Mm -hmm. and uh drove it it seemed to check out mostly okay (laughs) it was it was every bit of what you'd expect a 4800 dollars bmw sports car to be
0: on craigslist in vegas right Mm -hmm.
1: it was it very much reminded me of the experience of buying the maserati last year it's apparently what we do (laughs) we an everyday
0: driver get a crazy idea go to vegas and buy a car for far too cheap
1: and it was the same color Oh, that's true. That, that, that is, that's I hadn't thought thing. about that. It's a
0: similar color too. That we have to break that mold and buy some car in Vegas that's not wine We're, color. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. So I get there and it's like this shady little rest, little dealer in a, a warehouse kind of place. Sure. Sure. He doesn't even have a showroom. It's just a couple of cars parked out front. Mm-hmm. And you walk in, he's got an office. Nicest guy on the planet. Really nice that's guy. Good. That's good. Asked me what my lunch plans were, recommended where to go to find places. Oh, that's cool. Made sure that, you know, he, he had checked the route and knew that it was supposed to rain that afternoon and said, <laughs> give me suggestions. Like maybe change the wiper blades or, you know, things like okay. that. We bought the car, brought it home. <laughs> it, was, it was actually a good experience, but there was... The radio didn't work because uh-huh. the, the battery had recently been replaced, so it needed the code to punch in. Of course, in. yeah. And you know, need to go to the dealer for that. Why would we do that? Yeah, for sure. And there's no like USB plugs. I didn't have a, a cigarette lighter to plug my phone into, <laughs> knowing that I would need some way to charge my phone. Because at the time, the phone I had, I've since replaced, but the phone I had was eating its battery. Okay. So I brought my laptop with me set that in the passenger seat and had my phone plugged into my laptop. I the didn't entire know time. that.
0: Yeah. That is very funny. And I
1: played my music that way. Oh God, that's funny. Okay. <laughs> None of the gauges work. Mm-hmm. Speedometer worked. Odometer did not work. The odometer listing in his ad was from the last Carfax reported <laughs> number, which was a year old. Sure. So who knows what that car really had for yes. miles. Lots. But it drove mostly. Okay. Mm-hmm. It did. Yeah. It, yeah. It, was actually a real eye-opening experience, and it was like you could tell that 10 years ago that car would have been awesome had Mm. it been taken care of Mm -hmm. really well. Sure. And it really made me want to go look at what the M's like to drive or what even a really well-sorted one was to drive. That car was just – it was everything your Z4
0: is, Mm -hmm. just
1: with – better steering
0: yes true well that was the thing is paul and i kept talking to each other and then chance kept checking in with one of us so we were all kind of like all three of us yeah. doing the phone check in to see where is he how's he doing is the car still running and that was the thing we were all pleased by is you had air conditioning air conditioning was, was really cold which was fantastic especially at that point and and the fact that you were just getting home now we had uh, we had a little bit of a, a loose steering rack and the tires were quite old yeah so we uh we actually got it back and that was one of the things we talked with the the new owner who at that point he basically just said, keep it until the shoot's over and then I'll pick yeah. it up because there was no point in him getting it prior. So we had a conversation with him about the things that it needed. So we instantly got an oil change, instantly got new tires because we knew that it needed both of those right away. And even though he has since, and I'll, I'll fill you in in a second, he has since done many things to the car, in spite of that, the minute we got new tires on it, it was probably 50% better. Oh, I believe it. I, I couldn't I believe, believe how much better it was with just new tires, knowing that it still needed some sway bar work and this kind of stuff. Now, the new owner, it's his autocross toy. Yeah. So he has done tons of stuff just since getting it. He has replaced the uh, the <laughs> control seat. arms. He, he he is he has a seat on order. If I don't think he has it in Does yet, it put he, it in yet? He has he's a got seat one coming on order. And um, he has just he's dialed it in, and he's already competitive in autocross and laughing his head off. So it, it ended up being a great success for him, which and is the, awesome. The funny
1: thing is, he sent the picture from his first autocross,
0: and the lineup of cars next to it was basically our shoot. That was crazy. Yes, he said, "Here I am at autocross." And there was essentially with different, some of them were better colors with different colors. Yeah. It was almost every car we put in yeah. the eight car piece has shown up for autocross. Yeah. really made me laugh. So I was thrilled that he liked it, which was great. Also, he really came through for us. Thank you, man, for coming through and buying that car. And it was one of those things where I, I love this. It was kind of, in this regard, it was kind of like the Maserati at every day or so. We felt a little more confident in that uh-huh, car. Uh-huh. You got there and you called it as a kind of Okay, we'll see. <laughs> And then you started driving, and you're like, you know, it's kind of okay. Yeah. And then the more you drove, you're like, yeah, this is decent. Actually, and then bad. we got it, at both cut kind of went, I'm not sure. And then about a day later, we were like, no, no, new tires, pretty good. We like this. Mm-hmm. And then by the time we got on the shoot, you guys can wa- have watched the eight-car piece. Thank you. It was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. And I want to say that that a couple of you have asked, the, the two cars we have, the BMW Z4 and the Mercedes SLK, those were shoe-ins. They were going to be yeah. in the eight-car piece. They were going to be in the five-car piece. Some of you have asked because... You know, what would have happened if those two cars hadn't been in? I think the Z3 had a good shot at moving on. I mean, I, I haven't conferred with Paul yep. on that, but I think it had a good shot at moving on because it surprised all of us. Maybe moving on instead of the Z4 because or, I. Or
1: certainly over the SLK.
0: Well, fair. But I, I don't see. Here's the thing I don't think that I would have put that Z3 and had it move on in place of the three others we brought with us. I agree with that. But. As a fourth or fifth option, I think it was a really viable option. The, the The trick for us was just the fact that if you haven't watched the whole Cheap Sports Car series, it did start a year ago. We have a cool wrap-up piece coming in a couple weeks. Yep. And we're giving those cars away in one week. If you haven't seen that, there's less than 500 people entered. There's still a chance at it. You can go to our website. Hmm. So that's happening, uh, and you've got a good chance at it. But those cars are going in a week, and we're going to do a really cool wrap-up piece. But the whole point of this big two Cheap Sports Car films was that was an idea we had kind of midstream. Yeah. We bought these cars. We've been doing all kinds of stuff with them. I'm sure you guys have watched many of those pieces, road trips and track time and winter and you name it. And then we thought, let's actually put it with all the stuff we didn't buy. But because they are the common thread, we didn't feel like it was valid to remove them from discussion. Right, So they're in the eight car piece and they moved on to the five car piece, even if they didn't necessarily deserve to. But we hope you've watched both because it ended up being a pretty fun discussion. And I I guess what I've learned, Chance, is that if we need to send somebody to buy a car for us, we apparently need to send you... Yeah, that works. That works. We've got two really cool car debates uh, coming up here. First one is uh, Jeremy writing in about kit cars. And I actually was really excited to talk about this one with Chance, who is much more of a wrench than Paul and I are. And then for second car debate, we have uh, Bryant writing in about his first fun car. He is a truck driver. That's going to be a cool, cool one as well. And then, of course, we have many questions. Thank you guys for doing that. Let's hop into this first car debate. Jeremy's writing in, and he's saying he's found himself somewhere in um, I have three options for how to move forward as a car guy and he feels like they're all quite different and they are. Yeah. The The problem is that he is completely obsessed with the idea of a Shelby Cobra. He's, he's obsessed mm-hmm. with it. He mm-hmm. he feels like that is the definitive car he should own. And then he thought, well, yeah, but isn't an old used Viper kind of like that?
1: It absolutely is. I mean, Carol Shelby was on staff to develop that car. Yes. That's where it came from.
0: Uh huh. So we have the old Viper that's now kind of teasing him because he realizes, here's the thing about the Cobra. He realizes that he'd love a 427 Cobra. He'd also wish, wishes he had the money <clears throat> to buy a 427 Shelby Cobra. Yeah. So,
1: cause you know, the real ones are like a million, million and a half, yes, a million, least. depending on what they are. You know.
0: So the closest he thinks he can get is to build one. Do I buy a factory five kit and build myself my Cobra? Yeah. Do I buy a Viper instead of the Cobra? But then here is the weird twist.
1: This is a weird twist.
0: Just while going on in life, he decided to buy himself an old used high mileage first generation. That's the nine, eight, six Porsche Boxster S. Yeah. Which is like none of these cars. It's a left turn for sure. Totally. It's, it's nothing at all like it. And he said, it has none of the mean factor of what he's actually looked for in these others, but he loves it. He's in love with it. Why wouldn't you? Yes, exactly. Watch the eight car piece. Watch the five car piece. You get one of those cars for a deal. It's a great deal. He's sitting here going, I don't have to wrench on it much, even though clearly he can wrench. Yep. And every time he drives it, he's just like, this is so much fun. He doesn't give us a budget. Now I'm going to guess here. We're talking probably in the 50, 50 60 round guess, range because yeah. the, the cost to build a Cobra or to buy a used Viper is around there. Yeah. So it's probably what he's got. So he's saying, okay, do I build the Cobra? Do I buy a used Viper? Or do I just, I guess, put money into his Boxster and enjoy it? This is really where he's at. And yeah. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on Cobra kits, period. You have to tell us 9-11 and, and Mustang stories while we're here. But the big question that I have as a person that I'll be honest, I don't really like to wrench.
1: Sure. I can wrench just enough
0: to get myself in trouble. <laughs> I can do oil and brakes and I've done suspension. I've done basic stuff like that, but I don't want to pull an engine. I don't want to diagnose. That's not me. Yeah. Okay. You're much better at that than both Paul or I. You've had a lot of experience in that, both good and bad. The first question I have for Jeremy, and I want to then pass it to you, Chance, and that is how much do you want a full project. You have the full range covered between, I have a boxer that I wrench on now and then when it needs stuff, and my car just arrived in boxes. Yeah. This is the range we're talking that's, about.
1: That's pretty much what a factory five is. <laughs> How much it gets you to you
0: and you assemble it. <laughs> yes. How much do you want to fill your garage with boxes and just go, okay, let's start? Yeah.
1: So if you, if you didn't know already, I actually used to work for Kirkham Motorsports, and they build Shelby Cobra replicas. And they are... Considered to be the most accurate, true to the original Cobras. Mm-hmm. If you park them side by side, and the, the their, their look is they're usually a, a polished aluminum, so they're kind of a chrome mm. look finish. But if you park a painted one next to it, even the experts have a hard time telling the difference between the two. Mm. So I'm kind of a Cobra snob. That's a little bit a little bit of my background. After experiencing that Daytona Coupe last year, mm-hmm. that really like I didn't have anything against factory fives. You can build them yourself. They're not quite yeah, yeah. as nice, but they're still I mean, that Daytona was so well sorted. It was incredible. It was incredibly fast as it was. And the grip it had was just, I don't want to call it a puppy dog, but it wasn't the big animal I expected it to be. It wasn't as scary as any of us expected.
0: You're absolutely right. You're right.
1: So, you know, as long as you don't go too nuts with, you know, you don't put a big 427 with 8 million horsepower in it, (laughs) you'll be fine. Yeah. You don't need that. But, you know, we all like more power. But I had a, a point. had a coworker right I had a coworker when I worked at Kirkham. He put a five twenty seven in his cobra
0: okay, and
1: the thing weighed twenty three hundred pounds
0: that sounds terrifying and actually.
1: it put down about seven hundred and fifty horsepower yeah he he told me that he can go down i fifteen here in Salt Lake mm-hmm. at eighty miles an hour in fifth gear and fry the rear
0: tires. That's unbelievable. So he got rid of the car.
1: Yeah. Because it was just too much.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: The the engine he had in it before was like a a 360 something truck engine. I don't remember what it was, but it it made less than half the power and it was just as fun.
0: Sure. Oh, probably was more usable and more fun. I would bet. Yeah.
1: Right. And if you go back in history, the small block cars are the ones that won more races.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Most people don't know that. Okay. All right. So the the factory five thing. Uh, the real question that I have for Jeremy really is how much do you want to start at ground zero? Because what I, what I take from your your Boxster ownership is the fact that you just like driving it. Yeah. And unless you don't you don't say if the Boxster can stay or not. If the Boxster can stay while you build a car, that makes the building the car thing. I feel like a lot more viable. Yeah. Because you aren't just waiting to go have a fun drive. Okay? Yeah. You've already got one. But if the Boxster has to go to allow you to buy the factory five, how fast are you at building? How how right. quickly you're going to have this? You, I mean, I've known people two, three, four years. I'm still building mm-hmm. my car.
1: Yep, myself included. <laughs> fair, fair. fair.
0: <laughs> but this is the question for you. If if you're enjoying the drive and you and you you really tell us a lot about how much you like that nine eight six Boxster. If you're enjoying that drive, are you willing to go a few years without a fun car to drive? Yeah. And also, uh, chance. I'm gonna. I'm sorry. I'm throwing you under the bus. Just no, just, a, just a ahead, tiny bit. Do it. Uh, you right. had your Mustang. It I did. want you to tell the story of your Mustang, the, the closing parts of the Mustang story, because the the concern I always have with projects is when are they done? Yeah. This is my concern, Jeremy. You don't tell us you've ever built anything of this um, amount before. You said you can wrench, but I can wrench versus I built my car still feels like a leap to me.
1: This is where I can relate. So I I had had most mm, of you guys are, are had. interesting knew i had had a 67 mustang i sold it about a month ago i won't give you the full history of the cars you can go watch that on our youtube channel yeah i did a yeah. video on that but um i had the car for almost 20 years it would have been 20 years in a couple days Amazing. from now and uh it was a constant project it's probably sat more than 50 percent of the time i owned it in that 20 years mm. but when it did run And I was able to use it. It was awesome. Sure. I
0: loved every second of it. Paul and I drove it. We drove it for TV against a stock one of the same era. And we loved it. It was great. I mean, it was very much a work in progress then. And we still thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: All right. Rewind. Back to (laughs) February last year. Uh And I was leaving a parking lot. I stepped on the gas, shifted into second, punched it. And then the engine blew up. Oh! And it had sat ever since. I tore down into it. I tore the engine apart. Found bits of piston and the oil pan, among other things.
0: My phone kept buzzing. It was a new photo from Chance, with a new shard of something in a new part of the engine. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh
1: huh. And I kept meaning to get back to it, but financial financial reasons changed, and so I had to. I ultimately had to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. But um, it fortunately went to a family friend. So it went to the uh, the son of a family friend. Okay. Dad is restoring a Jaguar E Type. He was showing oh, wow. me that recently. It's it's he's got parts all over his house. As you do.
0: As you do. That's exactly what yeah. happens. Yeah. And
1: it, it from what he's done so far, it looks amazing. It's going to mm. be awesome when he's done with it. But so son bought my car. Okay. And he's already got it running. Oh wow. I don't know okay. if he's driven it much yet, but he's okay. already got a new engine in it. But as he took the in, the old engine apart, he was showing me pictures, and like connecting rods were bent, no. pistons were destroyed. Oh gosh! The bottom of the block, actually where the main bolts are, were, were broken, so that block is no longer usable. Oh my gosh! Um, but what they what they suspect happened was when that crankshaft was originally built and put into that engine, the machine shop goofed ever so slightly, no. and had a hairline crack in it. Oh, man. Which over time got mm-hmm. worse and worse and worse and worse until it eventually split in half. Wow. That's the uh, nightmares that can happen with old sure. muscle cars, sure, or any any
0: performance car in general. Absolutely, really. but but the but the project element is the interesting part of that because that was that was not the original engine. That was a like no, a 90s. No, that was the second right? engine I put in. Yeah, but, that was
1: from a 91 GT Mustang.
0: Okay. Yeah, so it was a 50 from the 90s mm-hmm. and a car from the 60s. I mean, you were definitely in the on the resto mod camp, yeah. and you were building it up with better brakes, and it was very fun to drive. But again. Here, here was an older car you had a lot of love for and you kept for a long time. this is a bit salt in the wound, and I'm sorry. But, uh, but you, <laughs> it, were steadily, you, you were steadily putting new stuff in it. Right. It's not like when you got it, it was in boxes. No, no. You, you, you still didn't start at the ground zero of I'm building a factory five. No. It was still a thing that took forever to try to get right. And it really comes down to not only the, the, the time, but there's cost in both time and money. Right. involved in one of these. So I this is my caution for you, Jeremy. Uh, let me let me sidestep to the Viper real quick. The Viper is very cool. Mm-hmm. The first ones, the, the very first gen, are very rare now. You rarely see oh, yeah. first gen. low miles
1: ones are hundred plus thousand dollars now. Too. It's, it's amazing crazy. to
0: find one because they are so raw and so like. Well, that's enough car. Let's just just put that yeah. out, you know, which is crazy. I think that's really intriguing. I also think that that is a shorter distance to driving a crazy, fun, powerful car than than actually building the factory five. Yeah, which leads me to a weird side note. Sometimes people build their factory five and then sell it because for whatever reason, maybe they built it to sell it. Maybe they built it and they never drive it. Maybe they built it, they got it 90% of the way, and now they're walking away. Or they built it and it
1: scared the crap out of them.
0: That is true as well. You're right. Sometimes those sell for much cheaper than you think because Mm -hmm. people are trying to get out of them. Because they are selling a kit car, this is not a bring a trailer moment. These are not going to skyrocket. They just don't. So I also want to put that out to you. If you would like to have a Cobra, and that's the other thing that that I, I... sense here. I don't think you've ever driven one. Probably not. So most um, people haven't. <laughs> yeah. Mo- most people I know that have driven them have found them quite terrifying. I mean, the, the vast majority of people. And, when, yeah. when, and a lot of that's because they put too big of engines. Yes, absolutely. Because they're very light. And that was one of the things that you already said it chance. The, the thing that was really surprising for Paul and I, when we're on PCH in that really well sorted Daytona from factory five, mm. we were all surprised at how it, yes. Could it be scary? Yes. Was it not really Right. You know, so I mean, I was I kind of got in going, let's see how much this wants to kill me, and it didn't, it didn't, which I was surprised about, but but pleased. So I'm actually wondering about you maybe picking up somebody else's ninety percent project or buying someone's already mostly sorted car. Yeah, because the distance to now I have something that I love is great. I also am concerned for you getting something that you ultimately don't like that much. Right, since you've never driven one. You might, might not have find them terrifying.
1: Might not have driven, driven a Viper either, which could Very be equally true. terrifying.
0: Yes, I think, and and also, yeah, the the Viper. <laughs> look, I really like the Viper. When the Viper was new, I was like, "That's a car I really want." Right. But the problem is, being in it was dated the day they sold oh, yeah. it. so okay? plasticky. So and now, odometer looking gauges. And- it, it, it has, you know, what it, it's in that similar category, and I'm not saying they drive the same, but it's in that similar category of the original Countach. It's almost one of those cars you're more excited to show off to others than you are to be yeah, in. I can see that. Now, a well-sorted Countach, listen to our friend Matt Farah talk about his. He's driven it a lot. He loves it. A well-sorted Countach can be very fun to drive. Mm-hmm. But it has natural, because of the way it's built, because of the ergonomics, everything about it. It's from the, the 70s and limping yeah. into the 80s. Yeah. It is a car of sacrifice. Body position, heat windows, all of this, it's a car sacrifice, but anybody that sees that car, you've made their day. Yeah. So you kind of have this car where other people are so excited to see it. That makes you more excited to drive it. That's true. And I'm wondering about that with the Viper. I, I don't know. You're going to have to try, but I'm wondering about that. Well, I, then- I still think that for me, if what you want to do is drive something fun, you're already online with the Boxster.
1: Yeah, I've got a couple more ways I can relate to this, Great. too. Is I've, I've got a high-miles 996, 911, yes, you do. which shares a lot of parts with that 986. And I bought that while still owning my Mustang. And I would drive the two. Mm-hmm. They were very, very different cars, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, And I love them for very different reasons. But, you know, I really like being able to get, being able to get into my 911 and just go. Mm. Just get in it and drive. Yeah, Oh, you know, it's needed things. I mean, I've replaced, in the last year since I've been on here, I've replaced a transmission. I've replaced... <laughs> cam guides, uh, Mm. brakes, tires. I mean, it gets expensive fast too.
0: Overall. It's been great. I just cleared 190,000 miles in it this week. That was my next question. This is one of the reasons I wanted you to speak to this for Jeremy, because I feel like you are kind of living both sides of this equation. Yeah. You know, you had the, the Ford project car that you were putting engines in and you had the Porsche product that you bought used and cheap which right. you put parts into to keep running. Right. And, and you've played around with both, which you can speak right and, to the dead center of this. Yeah, and
1: everything that car's needed have been things that, you know, it's got 190,000 miles on it. Of course it needs that.
0: It wore out, sure. Yeah. The, yeah.
1: the transmission I replaced because the Synchro went out. Mm-hmm. And when my tech told me, he's like, yeah, I usually just send those off to the dealer, so go see what they quote you. They quoted me four grand to replace the Synchro and nothing else. Oh my god. Which was absurd. So I found a 50,000 mile transmission off eBay for 2,500 bucks. Did the IMS bearing, did the rear main seal, the clutch, and all those other things you do at the same time for less money.
0: Wow. Yeah, yeah.
1: And then I sold the old transmission for 1800 bucks to a shop that rebuilds them it in Colorado. The amazing. And they didn't even charge me shipping. They sent me, they actually sent me a, a cooler, like a Coleman cooler. Okay. To put it in. And then they, they just transferred funny. it
0: out. Yeah. I taped it all up and they, they picked it up. That's real. I hadn't actually heard that part. That's cool. Yeah. All right. But yeah, to to what you're saying, 190,000 mile anything needs stuff. Right. And you have a Porsche that you've kept running. And also, and for those of you that don't know, you may have seen the Instagram p- picture today. I know many of you did. Uh, Chance just leaves the numbers on his car because yeah. he tracks that car a lot and he tracks it hard.
1: Yeah. I'm actually, I just started doing this. I'm now one of the events drivers for Utah Motor Sports Campus. So I do corporate events and I do ride-alongs on track mm-hmm. and it's so much fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Chantel called us like here's how many people I scared today. So but, but that's the other thing about it is that really high mile Porsche is something that you were driving very hard regularly. Yeah, And that causes everything to wear out faster and still 190,000 yeah. miles. It's your daily. Right. It's my only crazy. car now. Exactly. Which and But the other car that was lingering was that Mustang in process. I mean, this mm-hmm. is you weighing exactly the stuff that Jeremy's talking about. So, Jeremy, I hope something here is helpful to you because there's a and, real debate here that really, I think, comes down to usage more than anything.
1: Well, I've got two suggestions to also look at, too. Great. Well, I'll, I'll back this up to a debate you guys did for my dad a while back. All right. He was in this exact same boat. He really wanted a a factory five Cobra, but he also knew that if you were to get one, he wouldn't really be able to enjoy it for three, four or five years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what did he do? He bought a GT three hundred and fifty.
0: Yeah. He seems to like that. and He
1: loves that. He loves it. (laughs) Yeah. And I've I've driven it and it's, it's just a fantastic car. The other one I wanted to suggest to you though is, and I looked this up, I was kind of shocked, especially in this current market. You can get V eight Jaguar F type roadsters in your budget. I found several in the high 40s, low 50s okay, with like 40,000 miles on them.
0: That's like a blending of his world, isn't it?
1: Yeah. It's very, it's almost Cobra-like. It's almost Viper-like, but it's going to be more refined. a little nicer. It's still going to be loud and have that V8 rumble and have that that Cobra-like wanting to snap
0: out at you in the rear kind of feeling. It almost feels like if you put an old Boxster and a Viper in a blender, you almost get that. Kind of, yeah. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that.
1: So that that's the other car I I think I'd suggest looking into.
0: My Garage is a virtual home for automotive enthusiasts where you can show off your cars and tell their stories. Inside the community, you can check out thousands of cool cars and like and comment and follow and share all your favorites. Plus, you can park everything you need in one place. Use My Garage to manage important details, photos, records, and more. There's never been a better way to virtually enjoy your ride. So customize your own garage, explore others' garages like ours, and join in on the conversation at haggertycom slash mygarage. Our second car debate is for Bryant, who's writing in for his fun uh, first car. I'm sorry, sorry, first fun car, I should be more clear. Because Bryant drives a lot. Brian is a truck driver. Yes, and thank so, you, by the way, yes, for doing absolutely. that.
1: That's a thankless job for it, sure. It is a
0: thankless job. And nine times out of ten, those guys are the best drivers I see on the road. Mm-hmm. I have seen exceptions. <laughs> I was Where was I recently? Uh, Paul and I were driving to Ogden, which is north of here. And I think, I'm guessing that the guy in the truck, and, and again, I'm telling this story not because I think this is the, the rule. I think this is the exception. Mm-hmm. There was a guy driving what I think was one of those big livestock trucks, and I also think it was empty. Oh, yeah. So he was just kind of in free-for-all mode. Uh-huh. And he had a passenger. And I think, I didn't get a great look because I tried to get past this person and away, but I think uh, they were having an argument. Mm. So there was a lot of drifting mm. around. And at one point, we went through a construction zone where they have the big barrels and he like knocked a couple like, like you'd walk by something and like clip it with an elbow just to knock it over for fun he did that a couple times it was like what is going on here? <laughs> so that is the great exception uh, because generally those guys are the best drivers on the road Bryant thanks for doing that he said the the downside of that is he's 32 6'1 and 300 pounds he describes himself as overly fat because he is inactive as a trucker he just said this is my lifestyle sure, it's hard yeah. I'm sitting all the time right. you listen to this podcast a lot thank you for doing that but he said that obviously limits his ability to get in lots of cars what he's looking for is his first fun car it obviously needs to fit him there's a weird build things rabbit trail here though it really is he said what i was thinking of doing is i have a um, he says the p71 chassis crown victoria and he said "I, i really thought maybe i'll take that crown vic and i'll turn it into a hellcat beater put all kinds of power in it and make it outrun everything on the road. He really thought about that for a while. And then he had the counterpoint. I'm not sure where you got a counterpoint because generally here, we don't have much logic or reason, (laughs) but he got a counterpoint and he was like, you know, the thing I do like about that crown Vic is the fact that it just runs. It's indestructible. It's reliable. It's been great. He has no issues with it. And he just thought, if I start to build that out, I've taken probably my most reliable long-term car out of the equation. So let's chase something else. He does ha- still also have, besides that, a Silverado Z71, a Nissan Altima he's going to give to a younger sibling. He actually helps support his mom, which is very nice. Yep. And he has a uh, 1977 Cadillac Coupe de Ville lowrider project. So you also have project vehicles solved. Right. There's a lot going on here. So you're not going to beat Hellcats anymore with the Crown Vic. But uh, So the question becomes, uh, let's try to find you a fun, fun car.
1: Yeah, and he's looking for something that's, that's fast, but also comfortable, too. Mm-hmm. And he says yeah. he's kind of introverted and normally quiet in public, but he wants something that, that really grabs people's attention when he drives. So he's really that's looking cool. for that shouty that yeah. car, I suppose. Okay. So he lists his budgets around sixty sixty five dollars and he's looking at 911s, F-Types, Supras, M2s, M4s, RS fives, Audi TTs, mm-hmm. so many
0: options. So he doesn't really know where
1: to look. So he needs some focus.
0: Definitely, and he, and it, I get the sense here that what you're wanting is something that really has some style. You, you've talked about the car is the extrovert for you, which right. is interesting. But I I, I want to be candid about some of these cars just being the wrong size, I both good that. and yep. bad. I I don't think you want a Supra. No. Supers are too small. They have. Look, I like driving a Super, but the Super, every time I'm, in it, I'm surprised by how small the cabin is. You
1: have to duck to get in. How
0: small the doors are. Yes, absolutely. And there's not great visibility in that car. No, it's really so not. So I think the Super's wrong for you. The I I like the M2 for you quite a bit. I think mm-hmm. that's a good option. The M4 and the RS5, those are both really interesting. I also think they lean more toward large cars with power than fun cars with handling. Yeah, they're both both of those cars are better than you think. Oh, yeah. But every time I've I've, like we recently drove the M4 against the the Mach 1 Mustang, and I was so shocked by how capable it is while feeling like a very big car. Yeah. So I I think I kind of want you in something that hopefully we can get you something that you're comfortable in, but still is kind of small. I think the M4 RS5 are bad for that. The M2 I really, really like. Look, 911s and Caymans, I continually surprised. At how many people those cars fit
1: yeah like my car I'm 6'3 I've got really long legs so I've got the opposite problem you do mm-hmm. I've got tons of headroom the seats I have in it I don't even set those seats all the way back mm-hmm. I've got plenty of room I've got plenty of headroom so yeah. the 911s are great for if
0: you need space 911s have shocking space we had a guy with us on our pilgrimage trip the last time we went I really want to go next year but anyway last time we <laughs> went, a guy on our pilgrimage trip he's six foot ten and I, I'm sure, I mean, we didn't it, weigh him, obviously, but, but I'm pretty sure he's over 300 pounds. He's a huge, huge yeah. man. And he owns a 911. He actually tracks a tiny car, separate conversation. Yep. He fits himself nice. in a tiny car. But, but he owns a 911, and he loved being in the GT3s and all the Porsche products on pilgrimage because he could just fit. He fit, yeah. He, he, and he, he, is a, he is a man that dwarfs me. Yeah. In every respect. And I, I, as many times as I complain about I don't fit in stuff, he walks up and is like, yeah, I'm going to get in that car. I was like, you're kidding. <laughs> but in the Porsches, he was actually really happy. So I, I do want to encourage you in that regard. Uh, I have two I have two kind of wild cards for you because I'm surprised you haven't mentioned them. Okay. Uh, with your budget, you can get into either one. The first one is maybe more obvious, so I'll bring it up first. And that is, why no Corvette? Hmm. Because yeah. Corvettes just fit large people.
1: Yeah. The, uh, the, one of the owners from our, our American original yes, one of the Z06 owners, he, yes, was, the, he was six, seven, six, the, eight, the, something like that. Yes.
0: He was every bit of six, eight. He was, uh, that was the C 6 Z06, which is the big seven liter monster motor that mm-hmm. you, you kind of want that car. Honestly, that's yeah. amazing. And he fit in it really, really well. That was one of the very few times ever in the history of the show. I have gotten in an owner's car and went, wow, I'm way too far back. <laughs> I got to bring this seat up because he's a huge man. So I do think a Corvette is a viable option. Now I will also say this. The C6 has more space than the C7. Okay. So the C6 might be the answer. You could get that every bit of your your 60 to 65 grand budget. You could get yourself a really nice Z06 and really, really like that car. Now, it's not that luxurious, but it is incredibly fun to drive. And I think you'd fit. And then I have to say it because you have a lot of cars, including that Crown Vic, that's just reliable. Yeah. So I'm not worried about getting you a car that has to be the most reliable thing on the planet. I'm thinking about getting you something that has some flash to it okay that you can still enjoy driving and you can fit i'm wondering about an aston martin vantage
1: I kind of thought that too. Did you? I, I did go more with my suggestions, more GT coupe. Okay, good. So kind of good, bigger
0: good. cars. Yeah, but yeah, that was on my list. But I didn't go look at prices when I should have. You you could you could certainly find. I mean, like everything, they've gone up. But you could certainly find the Aston Vantage. They've been around long enough. They're they're older at this point. But uh, look, what the one you want is the big V twelve version. You're not going to find that for sixty no, five. No, no, not even. But the standard V eights with the yeah. automatic, which and you prefer the manual the manual is better but either one of those for your budget absolutely and it's an aston martin yes they're gorgeous yeah they're fantastic get it in silver i just said get it in silver get it in silver you would like it to get it in a color and it stands out even more that is incredibly classy very very nice to be in mm-hmm. and the big scary thing you hear about aston martin's is well what if it's not reliable you've got a litany of cars in the garage that's true you're not going to drive this car that often i really think it's a viable option yeah that's that's a good point I actually went with two two
1: oddballs, and one's going to stretch your budget. I I blew the I, I played a Paul.
0: You you were sitting in Paul's I, chair. I, I gotta, so I'm sitting in his chair. I'm impressed so I gotta, that you gotta, were gotta, really you know, filling the role well. Good job, Chance.
1: So the first one, you're, this is more of a wild card, and you're, you might laugh at it, but I I thought, well, why not the, the Lexus
0: RCF? Possibly. It's it fits Possibly. the
1: fits the other cards you listed. Yep. It's going to be a comfortable cruiser more than a sports car, mm-hmm. but it it'll just be comfortable and just run. And it and they yes. do. It looks a little bit polarizing, but they, they are a shouty-looking car, especially in that blue or orange that yeah. they come in.
0: Get, don't, don't get them an all-wheel drive. It completely mutes that yeah. chassis, and it takes away your legroom, which is that's even more too. frustrating. But they are decent in rear-wheel drive form. You're right. The RCF is a pretty cool. I hadn't thought about that. What makes me wonder, and they're above the budget, that makes me wonder about the LC500. Yeah? That's they're probably
1: they're, they're too, out of the budget. Too, they're, they're too out high, of the budget, but, but But that, but that's that, that starts to make too. me think about it. Yeah, keep going. What else is the, the – what about the, the more current BMW M6? bigger oh sure even more comfortable sure they've yeah. still got a twin turbo v8 in them i haven't driven one but i've ridden in a dynan tuned m5 at the same gen and Ooh. that thing was fast yes you want a hellcat killer get one of those <laughs> put a dynan tune on it and have a field day okay so there's that and my my pushing your budget if you can just you know find that ten thousand dollars <laughs> get, get up to 75
0: this is what we do get I'm up to 75
1: you can get amg gt's yeah. I don't know how well you fit in one of those, but if you push your budget a little bit, because you do say 65K plus. So I'm just going to point that you're out. You're right. He does say plus he does on say here. Plus. I'll, I'll give you that. that that's interesting. But you, you're right. There are some for around 75.
0: I, I think you'd enjoy that car. That is a fantastic alt to the Vantage. That That is a very special car. Great. Yeah. I hadn't and it's thought of that. It'll probably be
1: more reliable than the Aston too,
0: perhaps. I think it probably would be more reliable than the Aston. Ooh. Mercedes G. Mm. Uh, that's a, that's sudden, an idea, right? Bryant, I'm I'm excited for you on that. Let's see if you fit in that, because that would be great. I hope that helps. Summertime's here, and that means it is car wash season. And my friend Paul tells me I'm always supposed to wash a car in a cool, shady spot. I don't always do that well. But I do use the Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer, or actually I use the Boss Foam Cannon, from Griot's Garage. You have to use this. It's awesome. If you're a person like me who's not good at this, it makes it far easier. You create a high-foam blizzard right in your driveway with little to no work, which I really like. You avoid wash-induced scratches. It is the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what the foam is all about. Griot's also has a full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash & Coat, and 3-in-1 Wax. All Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. As always, you guys are sending in good questions. I'm going to start with the track Daily Crush from Brian Penn on Facebook. I saw says, this one. <laughs> uh, first generation, that is 80s generation MR2. Mm-hmm. First gen Cavalier Z24. That was the uh, front wheel drive. It's, you didn't buy a Camaro, but you bought this. Yeah. Or the Dodge Omni GLHS, which is the goes like hell some more. Shelby breathed on version of yep. the Dodge Omni. I, hmm, I think. I think I'm tracking the M R two if I can fit. Yeah. I, I haven't been in on one of those cars in forever. I hope I would fit. First gen M R two, I think I'm tracking that. I think I'm gonna crush the Cavalier because just the laugh of driving the Dodge Omni yeah, every day. I that's think exactly where I wanted to go to. Go with. Okay, good.
1: And I've driven Cavaliers before, and they're they're up there with some of the worst cars I've ever driven, to be honest.
0: Well, 80s, 90s Chevrolet uh, base front-wheel drive cars is not the place you want to be shopping anyway, unfortunately.
1: David E. on Facebook was asking, he says, My GTI is lightly modded. He's got a rear sway bar. When, when he test drove the Veloster N, he didn't walk away feeling like, wow, this is awesome. Mm. Is there something wrong with me? Once you get a car <laughs> set up for better handling, are most OEM setups ruined? twofold i think it's twofold too my 911 in in the modified world is not really that modified Mm -hmm. but as a 911 it's pretty modified okay i've got coilovers on it some other suspension stuff and it's pretty stiff ride but when i get in a lot of newer stuff they feel a little cushy they're Mm -hmm. still they handle great but they still they they're more compliant and it's Mm -hmm. it's not what i'm used to anymore so i totally get where you're coming from you go over bumps and i like feeling the the roughness of the car i like having Mm -hmm. that raw race car kind of feel same time you go over bumps in like a parking lot, it is rough and it gets harsh sure, and you road sure. trip in it and it, mm. it gets, it can
0: get uncomfortable after a while. So there, there's some give and take there for sure. Interesting. David, I saw this question as well. And what I wonder about is a couple things. First off, where did you drive your Veloster in? That's a good point Was it? Too. Did you take, take it around the block? You, you're used to your GTI and you took the Veloster in around the block because it'd be very hard for any car to wow you in the standard test drive. If you took the Veloster, the the best way to do a test drive like this, and I, I admit that most of us don't have this opportunity, but you take the car you're considering on a road you know that is a fun road, because then it's a, it's a road you've driven in your current car and you know how your current car feels and yeah. you suddenly go, Oh, oh well, this is different or no, that's worse. Or why is this this way? And you instantly can feel that. So I, I think there's a couple things going on. First off, I'm really wondering about what was your test drive in the Veloster. And I also think you have fine tuned your GTI to what you like. Yeah. And then you're getting in a product that has been built for the mass market. And so, And you're coming in with expectation. You're expecting to be loud. Totally. So you're bringing the fact that you're comfortable and you're used to how your GTI feels. And so everywhere that the Veloster N feels different, you're kind of going, yeah, but do I like that? And so I think that that takes away the wow factor because you're already coming out of something you enjoy, driving the Veloster probably in a less than ideal sense and just going, yeah, it's good. But the other thing you have to think about, talking about OEM setups, Pretty much every car on the planet is set up to, even if it's a sports car, is set up so that the most amount of people will be okay with it. Right. The Miata is the best candidate I can think of. The current generation ND Miata I find in every form, including the sports setup, just too soft with too much body roll. Agreed. But there's easy ways to fix that. Yeah. There's fly, talk to Flying Miata or a million other companies that have got that solved. But at the same time, that car's still very fun and. It's being sold to a lot of people who have never owned a sports car and want a little fun runabout convertible. Right. And they're not going to want hardcore. It's going to terrify them. They want they want fun and soft. And this goes around a corner at 20, just great. And it does. That's the other thing about it is you've taken your car from a mass market car into a focused car. And you got into a car that is a sports car, but it's still for the mass market. I think all of these are factors. I'm not sure if there is a way to make it wow you. But I don't think there's anything wrong with you, any more than no. the rest of us.
1: And something else to keep in mind is you can do the same changes to the Veloster N and probably True. get the same effect.
0: True. And maybe, maybe surpass. Who knows? Mm-hmm.
1: Christopher L. was asking, what percentage of my professional time is spent doing everyday driver stuff versus all the other stuff I do, like racing stuff and mm-hmm. photography or whatever? Yeah. I like to say I've got two and a half jobs. <laughs> Now, kind of three, if you had two of them together. Only two and a half? Only two and a half. Wow. I I work about 50% with the show. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of the editing. Um, I'm up here in Park City twice a week and then work from home sometimes as well. Then all the travel we do for filming. Yep. Um, But then I cover, when I can, I cover racing events at, at Utah Motorsports Campus or wherever I can. Um, uh, most recently we had our six hour endurance race and I just, I love shooting that race because yeah. this year was, it got dark and it
0: rained a lot Ooh. of the race. So it was, it was really fun. And then they stopped it for a time, didn't they? They
1: Yeah, they stopped it. Uh, well they had a yellow flag because it got really windy and it blew half the cones along the front straight. So they basically Amazing. made a slalom along the front. That's straight. That's hysterical. I love it. <laughs> and then they stopped the race for about an hour for lightning. Wow. Okay. And it was dumping that whole, that whole hour too. It was, it was nuts. Um, but I also do a lot of photography for, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but I, I do the odd gig for bring a trailer. Mm-hmm. I'm a third party, so I don't work for them, but I'm yeah, associated yeah. with them. I've done half a dozen of those this year. Then I work part time at my local home Depot mm-hmm. That's as true. a
0: supervisor, how,
1: how a often backup supervisor,
0: how where can people find all your photos? Cause if they haven't seen your photo site, they should.
1: Yeah. So I post a lot on Instagram. Those are my more current. I post mm-hmm. the best. Here's what I want to show off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh Fatty Hales, P H A T T Y Hales, my last name. Or you can go if you want to go look at my website, it's chancehalesphotography.com. And I've got I've got our show stuff on there. I've got my bring a trailer some architecture, you name it. I've got a bunch
0: of stuff. You've on got there. a bunch of great stuff. Chance is a phenomenal photographer. I cannot oversell how good a photographer he is. And if you are one of our patrons, one of the things that we give out, and I, I admit it happens in fits and starts, it's, it's like true. a photo dump. A couple times a year, we just send out a ton of desktops from all of our shoots, and those are almost always all taken by chance. They're fantastic photos. I use them on my own computers. These yep. are all of my own personal desktops because I just think they're great. So you do a lot of that, and that's actually how we discovered you, and it's still something that we really are we value immensely. Peter, are you there on Instagram says, how much does a rear wheel drive 911 drive differently from an all wheel drive 911? Which do you prefer? Well, it depends on how recent we're going. Yeah. First off, when they first went all wheel drive 911, I didn't like it at all. I really, really didn't. This is like okay. early,
1: early, no, late 80s, early 90s? It's the, the
0: 964. Yeah. Yeah, the 964 generation. So that happens in the, yeah, the late 80s, very early 90s. Right before they went uh, uh, water-cooled, they went, uh, they actually first released the 964. Watch our 50 years of 911 film. They first released the 964 as an all-wheel drive and just went, this is our thing now.
1: They oh, that's right,
0: that's the, right. The, the the 4S first and they did everything else after. The early ones really kind of ruined the magic of the really light 911 steering. Yeah they have made it much better. The other thing that happens now is the the amount is changing. You get in a modern all-wheel drive 911. There's an actual gauge that'll show you where the power is going. Mm-hmm. And it runs rear-wheel drive most of the time and then yeah. it gives you front-wheel drive help as necessary. So you're you're going to be hard-pressed to notice a difference on anything that is recent unless you're in really bad conditions, and then you would notice the difference. Also because the steering has walked away from that uh, great no-assist or hydraulic thing that 911s used to have. It's electronic assist now. Mm-hmm. So that has, has blurred the two feel-wise quite a bit. used to be able to tell more when it was a hydraulic steering, or especially when it was the analog steering. They, they started to feel pretty similar. I would prefer the rear-wheel drive but the thing is they're close enough now that I think if I bought a brand new modern one I'd go either way. Yeah. And then if you're a person that wants the help of the all-wheel drive then bonus.
1: Yeah, I uh, mine's a 4. Mm-hmm. Mine's all-wheel drive and yeah. it's mine's the it's a 996 and it will send as little as 5% of the power to the front and as much as 40 to the front. Mm-hmm. And it's it's variable and sometimes you feel it but more often than not you don't. And uh I remember you driving it last year. We mm-hmm. went on a drive, and you got out and said that's actually pretty well sorted compared yeah. to the older 4s. absolutely
0: no, no no I was uh, because the nine six fours I just wasn't a fan of that all wheel drive system by the time yours granted, you've done some stuff as well, but the time you got to yours, they had already sorted it, and now it's it's almost unnoticeable, like yeah. back to back and a brand new one you might be able to tell in the right conditions. But because it's moving the power around, it's almost impossible yeah. to tell.
1: And I bought mine because I drive it through the snow. Of course
0: you do, yeah. And it, yeah, it yeah. helps a lot in the snow. Mm-hmm. Sure. Now,
1: granted, it helps so much in the snow that even in snow, it's hard to do donuts. <laughs> you can do it, but yeah.
0: it is hard to do. Tires, 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 tires. And speaking
1: tires, to that, I actually recently found a video on YouTube of uh, Walter Rural, who was yeah. the development driver at the yeah, time, yeah. driving a 996 Carrera 2 around the Nürburgring in the snow. Oh, I love it. Which was It's a pretty fun video. You should go look that up. That's amazing. I love it. Kyle F90, he asked, has insurance costs ever stopped you from buying a car? Mm. I'm absolutely shocked at the premiums for a new BRZ.
0: And I haven't looked. What are, I, I, I have I'm terrified no idea. to know what they are. Now I want to look. I, I, I was
1: know. I was actually looking for another car last year. I was mm-hmm. looking at Mazda 6s. Yeah. And when I got, I got the loan approved, I was, yeah. was within my budget, and then I got to the insurance part, and it was going to be more than my payments were going to be on the car. And double what I'm paying for insurance on the 911.
0: That's insane.
1: And th- I don't fully understand why. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you promptly walked away. Some of it was because they, they told me it was a newer car, and I, I don't know.
0: Hmm. Rocketboy336 says, How would we compare the driving dynamics of the new Toyota GR86 to the Honda S2000? We don't have an S2000 in the fleet, and we don't have a GR6 to compare it with yet, so that would be problematic. I, I would love to do that comparison. It could be very interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you off the top of my head what I think would be the major changes you would notice. I expect that the steering will be better on the GR86. The S2000 has an electric steering rack. Now, the car is so communicative, you don't miss the fact that it has an electric steering rack. You don't miss the fact that it, it's kind of mute in steering right. because the car has so much information, it's not a big deal. But it, but I think there is a little more steering feel in the GR eighty six. I say this having not been in in them back to back in a long, long time. Our, our friends at uh, friends Savage Geese, Mark actually owns an S two thousand, which he drives on the track all the time, and they're going to do a GR eighty six video. He will probably be definitive on being able to tell you the difference. The other thing is that I would much rather use the GR eighty six all the time because the S two thousand, everyone I've driven has been fun but they are difficult in normal driving because they are so, so lacking in any kind of torque until you wind that motor out. Yeah. And that's what makes it fun when you wind it out. Hi, this is why it's it's Savage Geese Mark's track car. Right. Because he doesn't dri- he drives an LC500 daily and he drives it at S2000 on the track because he can wind it out and have fun. So I think the GR86 is going to be a lot more usable. I would love to have those two back to back. We're hoping for lots of GR86 content.
1: Kirk Myers asking if daily driving a 911 like mine is does it still feel great after a while or does it kind of get oh, more muted and more normal? Okay. I get in my car every time and I, I always turn back and look and I just have a riot. It doesn't matter if I go five minutes to work, if I drive an hour up Canyon, if I'm going up to Salt Lake on the freeway. I, I just love that thing. I, every I time I get do. in it, it's just an experience for me
0: also um chance has a, a quite loud exhaust so <laughs> there um, is that there is no one in the neighborhood that doesn't know that chance just started his car so while he's aware everyone else is aware also and on yeah.
1: top of that right now i've been driving around with my track pads in the car and those squawk like of crazy course they,
0: that's very funny Philippa rodriguez i'm going to call this last question unless you've got another one chance and that is when's the next design video from paul coming out i'm going to talk about this question because paul's not here I yeah. hope soon. I do too. I, here, here's the challenge that I gave Paul that I hope he will do. We're talking about the Z car, mm-hmm. okay? And love it or hate it on the current styling. Here was my question for Paul. We've talked about it a little bit. And I hope he will do it, and that is, we're going to see if we can get him a reference of the hard points. The hard points being this is the wheelbase, this is where the suspension connects. These are the things you have to clear in the skeleton, if you will. Yeah. And then just see how nuts he can go and leave the hard points, hmm. because one of the things that's interesting about the current upcoming Z is it is a variation of the 370, which was yeah, a variation of the tell. 350. So you've had three generations of the car now. And, and I understand cost savings. I get it. I understand why. But if you have to keep the A-pillar, by the way, that's the thing, that crash testing of the firewall and A-pillar, that's the thing you don't want to do over, and they're keeping right. all of that. If you have to keep all of these hard points, how crazy could you go? And I don't think I, I have any chance of answering that. I'd be very no. curious to see what Paul could do with it. I hope he will
1: personally, I think the new Z looks great as it is. I don't okay. I don't have the same like that's ugly kind of experience that a lot of people seem to have. The front to me, it looks It looks like the old 240. It looks like a modernized take it's on the 240. It's very 240.
0: And, it's extremely 240. For
1: some, that's a little too much. Yeah. For me,
0: I, I think it works all right. That's cool. That's cool. Thank you guys for being with us as always. Chance, thanks for sitting in, man. It's yeah, good to have course. you back. Uh, we will certainly have Chance on again, but Paul will be back with us next time. We've got so many podcasts, continuing with our two a week. A reminder that we get to 650. This is in the 630s, by the way. That's a lot of podcasts. When we get to 650, we'll do another live one and we'll take a lot of questions and I'm excited about that one. But thanks for being with us twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday. We'll continue asking for questions on Mondays and Thursdays. Generally, when we record lots of YouTube stuff coming to the test drive channel, all the press cars they've been feeding us are going to catch up here rapidly, probably two a week for a bit. We're just starting to shoot season 10 of TV Soon we will have season nine available on Amazon. I'm very excited to share that date with you. So that's happening as well. And then lots of stuff, both our cheap sports car challenge ending our new long-term challenge. I'm so excited to share with you guys. Oh, Same. I'm so excited to share it.
1: has been, it's been a long, (laughs) we're all just, we're
0: all just kind of holding ourselves back. I can't, I can't wait to share you guys, you guys, those cars that's coming. Here's what's happening in about three weeks we have our wrap-up video of our current cheap sports cars. The end of that video is going to reveal the cars for the next year, and I hope you're even half as excited as we are. We have big plans for those. That's happening in addition to a road trip piece on my Lotus and a lot of other stuff. So thank you guys for being with us, and we'll see you next time.